Law enforcement suicides are at an all-time high right now. One of the causes is poor leadership within the law enforcement profession. Nick, the host of the Roll Call Room podcast, has written a book, Police Mental Barricade, A Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. This book is a raw and powerful look into suicide and how poor leadership decisions contribute to law enforcement suicides. Buy the book now at mentalhealthbarricade.com and stop the stigma. The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. Life is a war. And there are people out there and there are things out there that are trying to take you down. Things are going to go wrong. And when things go wrong, it's pretty easy just to say, you know what, I'm going to stand down or I'm going to give up. And you can do that. But I think no I think no I think keep fighting and you keep fighting and you keep fighting and you keep fighting no matter what and you never quit you never never quit and if you feel like your life is in a place where you can't get any lower and you don't think you can find any way out, good. Because that means the ultimate challenge is ahead of you. It means you can only go up. And it also means that things are gonna be tough. Things are gonna be tougher than anything you can imagine, but storm that you're in from your perspective it seems like that storm is enveloping the whole world but I'm telling you it is not the storm that you're in it is hard to see out of that storm it's hard to see past it it seems like the storm is everything but the storm is not everything and it won't last forever get out of the storm and you will get out of the storm and when you get out you're gonna see the sun again but right now you're being tried you're being forged you're being tested by fire and by pain Test. Don't fail the test. Don't 
fail the test. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't ever quit. Fight on. Fight through the storm. Fight through the pain and come out the other side stronger and tougher and better. A fighter. A survivor. A winner. Victorious. And free from that storm. Free from the darkness. Free. Life can be hard. But you know what? It's the one life you've got. So go and live a life that in the end allows you to look back and say, hell yes, I do it all again. And welcome to the Roll Call Room Podcast, the podcast that pissed shitbag Steve's off and fucked over my dad. And now your host and my daddy, Nick. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Roll Call Room. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with Mike, me... Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> My co-host, Mike, how have you been, buddy? Hey, pal. How What's are you? On? Good, good. In studio, we have a very special guest, Michelle, my academy graduating classmate, academy classmate from 15 years ago from a regional academy in Virginia. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Michelle used to sit right next to me. So unfortunately, yeah, we have some really cool, awesome stories about the academy. Um we're going to focus this uh, episode on life after law enforcement and talk about some PTSD and stuff like that. Uh, Michelle's going to share with us some stuff. Um, as always, we're not really going to expect a lot from um, Mike. Um, <laughs> so how's everything going, Mike? Have you had a chance to go to the tailor and get your uniform uh, fitted? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Did you take my opinion and get the pregnancy pants? Um, yeah, perfect. They fit perfect. They're so snug. Oh, did you go with like the stretchy kangaroo pouch? I went with like a um, quadruple X. Yeah, see, your internet is working uh, great again. 
How is it my internet, pal? You're in a basement. I'm right next to my router. That doesn't mean anything. It's New York. <laughs> so um, actually just the, just came up on the screen. Your internet is unstable. Meaning <laughs> <mine>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there goes that argument. Um, so what's going on with uh, with uh, work? You doing good? Everything all right? Yeah, still the same. Yeah. Hold that line. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, so, Mike, you're like a man of a lot of words. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. He, he, uh, he, he, he really brings it home. He's holding this podcast down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk real quick about, um, Seattle real quick. Uh, what is it? Choppa? Is that what it is? Chop? What's Chavez? Chavez? Chaz? 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 Chaz. That's what it is. So yeah, I bring the brains to this yeah. podcast. So what are we thinking, man? So these um, degenerates, I'm sorry, sovereign citizens. <laughs> Jerk offs. Took over seven square blocks and uh, made it a police-free zone. And um, they're- Yeah, but that's, it's pretty funny. They make it a police-free zone, but they have, they have people walking around for security that are, that are armed. That are stopping people, that are requesting um, information mm-hmm. about them. That sounds like a stop, question, and frisk. Yeah, and then like two people got murdered in there, and you know, you know, oh yeah, yeah, two people got murdered in there. I don't. Did you see the body cam footage of the officers trying to get in there? No, I didn't. I it's, didn't. It's insane dude but i could i could only imagine yeah they get surrounded they can't render aid uh the two people die and then i just read an article today that some juvenile got shot inside of there so i'm i'm hearing that july 4th um the hell's angels and the mongrels are going in there to clean clean it out like liberate it Okay. Were they going to take over or? I don't know if they're going to take over, but that'd be a pretty cool t-shirt. Like liberate 2020 <laughs> with the hell's angels logo. You know, uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, so what else, what else is going in the news? We don't have anything going on in Atlanta, right? Nothing going on in Atlanta. Um, riots have kind of died down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Did either one of you see about the officer that got charged for not reporting a child in a car seat to CPS that got arrested for child endangerment? Did you guys read about that article? Uh, I did not, but as a former detective for child abuse, I find that a little Isn't that crazy? ridiculous. I'm going to see if I could pull that's up. That's ridiculous. I could. I got to see if I could pull up the article. They're saying uh, that's child abuse or um, that it should be reported to CPS? That it should have been should have been reported that the child was not in uh in a car seat and then the officer got charged um well there goes discretion yeah 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 uh everything's coming up on uh oh here we go fort myers police officer um spare with me mike's internet is so slow um didn't report girl out of car seat. Child dies in crash a month later. A month later. A month later. 
<laughs> has been played, placed on unpaid admin leave. It says a Fort Myer police officer was arrested after failing to contact the P Department of Children and Families in regards to a child's safety. Officer Tyler Williams has been placed on un unpaid administrative leave and could face internal charges within with the police department for violation. The arrest stems from an, a traffic stop on January 18, 2020 at Colonial and Solomon Boulevard. Officer Williams pulled over a car for speeding at 4.50 uh, in the morning. During the stop, it was the officer's duty to report information about a young child's safety, which put the child's welfare in jeopardy, according to Chief Diggs. Uh, February 2023-year-old, Died after her mother crashed her car near MLK Boulevard and Rockville Road. Uh, was at a high rate of speed speed with meth, fentanyl, benzochlorine, diazepine, something, something in her system. Oh, so it's not the mom that was fucking fully fucking loaded of drugs. No, no, it was no, not the really. office. Oh, that totally. You know, if he had given her that ticket, she probably would have learned right away to stop using drugs oh, and put her kid in a, in a car seat. Would have fucking totally cleaned her up. 100%. Absolutely. So this guy gets this officer. Get, ah, man, this is frustrating for his profession, man. This is this is the wave of the future right now. But, you know, like had he reported to social services, they're going to be so busy handling all these domestic calls now. I mean, would they have had time to go check on this child? Yeah, I, I, don't I, I just don't. I don't. That's ridiculous. I don't know, man. This is this. I think it's the wave of the future for the profession. Like, I don't I just don't see a lot of people sticking around, especially the ones with less than five years on just sticking around doing this job for very long or already 20 on and less than five to go. Just get out at your 20 and yeah, just fucking punch bye. out. And I think that's why a lot of municipalities will not lower their retirement uh, time from 20 to 15 or 10. Yeah. Because I was well, listen. Okay, I mean, it's, sorry, pal. I mean, if we had a buyout right now, you know, sign me the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, you'd be out. You only have like eighteen months, right? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen months. So, oh, wow. yeah, you're at the finish line, bro. I mean, there's no yeah. point for you. Uh, no, but I mean, if they were looking to get us out, you know, give me a buyout. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't have that. I had fifteen years left. So for me, you know, I didn't have 15 that. Fifteen years left. Fifteen years for left. What, you're twenty five. I had no, to have, that's impossible. I had to have 55 years uh, age. Oh. So I wouldn't have had enough time on. Oh, to collect. You collect. Mean? Yeah. Oh. yeah. What, 25, 55? Yeah, you have to have 25 on or 55 years of age. Um, gotcha. So I got screwed by starting younger. Um, but, you know, in the long run, they did me a favor. Um, yes. And so that leads me to what this episode is about. I've received a ton of emails and inbox messages from fans that are seriously thinking about leaving the profession and are concerned that their skill set does not transfer to the civilian world or that it's hard to find uh, another job outside of law enforcement. So who better than to have somebody come in who has uh, made that leap um, and can you tell them what you went, what type of profession you went into? So I am now a realtor. I am now a realtor. Sorry. My yeah. first time on a podcast. So first time on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm now a realtor. So I'm technically a business owner mm -hmm. and, um, I will say the leap was not made of my own choice. I was injured in the line of duty and it was 
a terrible transition for me. I was scared out of my mind. Um, I was always wanted to be a cop, thought I'd be a cop for life. Yep. And um, it was terrifying. But I am now happier than I've ever been in my entire life and can't imagine doing anything else. So um, living my best life, I have to say. So there is life after the badge and it's so good and it's rewarding and you can find something that I don't know, you get to come home every night and not be afraid that you're not going to make it Yeah, and make your, just everything about your life about not being a cop. And that's okay to not be a cop. I know like when you're a cop, it's all about the thin blue line and that's great. My husband's a police officer and I support him 100%, but there's life after the badge and there's life beyond the badge and there's life that's better than the badge and you can still support each other. And there's that brotherhood or that sisterhood, but I never thought like day one. So January 1st or sorry, June 1st of this year was five years and June 1st, five years ago, I was ready to just take my own life. Mm -hmm. I didn't think there was anything past being a cop and now I couldn't ever go back to it. It's, it's so much better now than in, than it was when I was an officer. So five years ago, when abruptly your law enforcement career ended, and and it's near and dear to me because it's fresh for me. It's two months for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was you. Like, that was everything. And mm-hmm. We went to the academy together. I remember day one sitting next to each other, and you and I both had the same feeling, which was, this was the job. Yep. Like, we, you know, we were thin blue line all the way. Yes. Like, live, breathe, and died the badge. Like, um, there were times when, I mean, we'll get into it later on, but we, we truly were a partnership in the, in the Academy. We helped each other out. And now I look back at that person and how naive (laughs) I was, how naive, um, I was about this profession and how false, um, my faith in leadership was in this profession and holding them up to a very high pedestal. Um, and when the chips are down, when you need, when you need good, solid leaders, they're very, very difficult to find yes. in this profession. They're very, they're real. The, the cowards are very easy to find or the, um, positional equity leaders are very easy to find, but true, true leaders are hard to find. So I'm going to say something and it's, it's going to piss a lot of people off. Well, that's what we live for here. The thin blue line, it only exists when someone's died. Yeah. I'd there's, have to agree There's with no you. such thing as a thin blue line when you've been injured, mm-hmm. unless it's really, really fucking bad. Mm-hmm. There's no thin blue line when you're mentally hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because mental illness does not exist in police. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as mental illness. And I can talk straight from the heart on that one. Thin blue line does not exist when you need to report something that's happened at work. And the thin blue line does not exist when it comes to uh, probably lieutenant and above. Mm-hmm. Everyone's out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe not at every department. I don't think that it is. But I can tell you firsthand experience, the brotherhood that I thought that I was joining where everybody had each other's backs and everyone was really looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. It only exists if you have, you know, you're in that good old boy system or if you're bringing <laughs> knee pads to the table. Mike? Yeah, well, I just want to go back to what you just said about um, the leaders. You know, uh, uh, my job, there's a lot of leaders, a lot of young, 
Mm. Young guys. Yeah. Young guys that never put their hands on anybody. Mm. Young guys that never actually went on the streets and actually threw down with people. Mm. You know, you get some of these guys that, you know, they were fucking nerds when they were younger. Yeah. They didn't get girls. They didn't get any dates. Now they got the badge. And now um, they just they just think that. Um, sorry about that. No, no, they no. Just you think, answer your phone, bro. We're only doing a podcast here. <laughs> they, they just they just think who the fuck they are and you know but they're a bunch of cowards and a bunch of pussies i i'll be honest with you uh both of you is is i don't think it's it's not based here in virginia it's not based up in the north it's everywhere because the fan base that we have the amount of people that we have it's rampant all over the place and it's getting worse because nobody wants to do this fucking job anymore. Mm-hmm. So the selective pool of people to promote is getting worse and worse. Oh, totally. Exactly. The, the, yeah. the, the, the knee suckers, the fucking, you know, deep throaters. Yep. They are, as long as you go in on test day and you can have a really good fucking day mm-hmm. and test really, really well. And then you have rabbis in your corner, not Oh, absolutely. You know, as long as you have rabbis in your corner and you score in my agency, where people went berserk was the chief decided no longer to put people in a full category system. In other words, everybody lands in category one, category two and category three, which is good luck, you know, better luck next next time. And in category one, everybody would be pulled into one pool and and he would cherry pick. Yep. Out of it. And that's where the horse trading and the sucking comes in. And when the chief in our agency, my former agency, did away with that and said, no, we're going to promote down the list according to score, that completely destroyed the good old boy club system. And they lost their fucking minds. Well, yeah, because it didn't matter how much dick sucking you did. Oh, yeah. You just oh, had yeah. to actually be a good you know, test taker, good at your job. Yes. And what wound up happening was with, with the fans that know the backstory with me was, is I placed number four. So that scared the shit out of the good old boys club because the next person after me was in the good old boys club, number five and luck would have it. That person's in internal investigations. (laughs) So the the corruption and the stuff that you see that goes on during promotion time. We I say this all the time on the show, Mike. I think you agree with it. We eat our own. We are the worst at oh, eating 100%. our own, and we don't elevate each other. And Michelle, I could tell you <clears throat> when I started talking about mental health and when we started this podca- podcast in October of last year, you'd have thought like a tsunami went through the department. Command staff avoided me and and my former co-host like it was the plague they didn't want to talk about it they didn't like that we were talking about they didn't like that we were talking about them as Mm -hmm. the cause of the mental health issues uh they didn't want us talking about taking medication they didn't want to talk about going to therapy they didn't want to talk about ptsd screening they did not want to talk but they wanted to talk about how they had a peer support team, mm-hmm. how they had a CISM team, and they had all these other check boxes. Yep. But when it came to really, really needing somebody, they were not on board with the mental health piece. And I only discovered after I left my agency that my chief, who was a former chief somewhere else, one of the reasons, one of the reasons why they wanted him out of the department was, is that his suicide rate in California was seven and a half times higher than the national average. So you would think that if a 
two police officers started a podcast about mental health, mm-hmm. you'd jump on that shit. You'd be like, okay, I'm behind this 100%. Because I went from a department where people were killing each other seven and a half times higher to now in a department where nobody's talking about it. Yeah, I mean, and that should be his top, that should be his top priority. Top, top priority. Top priority. And and I don't think, it's not just, I'm, I only pick on my agency because it's only what I know. And I know some of my my former coworkers that get angry because they're like, oh, you put us out and you put our agency out there like with the devil. Well, some of your commanders are the fucking devil. But the other thing is, is that the culture has to change. And it's the proof is in the pudding. With and two, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. everywhere. It's everywhere. Because I can't even like I can't even apply to other police departments now because the moment they do a search on my history with mental health or talking about mental health blacklisted yep done can never i can never get into it again and that's fine but you know at some point in this profession they're gonna have to sit down they're gonna have to talk about what's going on i just did an interview with uh ellen kirchman uh who wrote i love a cop and we were talking about what we would like to see within the next five years in law enforcement and that was one of the major things which was Uh, Mike's holding up the book right now and the book is right (laughs) next to Michelle. One of the things that we talked about was, is that chiefs of police take mental health seriously, not just creating peer support teams and doing all this shit because it's, it's, it's the trendy thing to do, but to really honestly take it seriously with confidential yearly PTSD screening with no retaliation, no repercussion, no fit for duty, unless we're talking about an extreme situation where somebody goes in for confidential PTSD and the person goes, I want to kill everybody at work and I want to kill everybody at home. Well, sorry, bud. Yeah. All bets are off at that point. But if you're having the thoughts, get the services, get the help that you need. Absolutely. So um, I know I went on a tangent. Uh, Mike, you were fantastic on that. And uh, we really enjoyed hearing your dog bark again. I didn't, I didn't hear the dog bark. Oh, uh, so. when you repeat that, when you hear the episode, you'll know. <laughs> we can't go an episode without uh, Mike's dog bark. Um, in our earlier episodes, we couldn't go an episode without hearing our my cat's meow, and then I soundproofed the fuck out of the studio. So, well, I'm sorry. I'm in my office. I'm sorry. Office. My Wi Fi sucks. Spare and, bedroom. Uh, <laughs> Stop making it sound like you're you're fucking Elon. Yeah, and you're it's Elon off- Musk. What? Dick. You're a dick. <laughs> uh, I gave him I gave him the time to say it too. Uh so so 5 years ago it abruptly ends, right? Yeah. Did you have a side gig? Did you have a backup no. plan? Did you have anything at all? Zero. Like, zero going on. Zero going on. No side hustle on the weekends no, like, like my DJ mom, business. Uh wife. Right. My side hustle was my house, you know, like taking care of my family. So nothing. Zero. Nothing. Zero. So were you starting to freak out? Uh well, I mean, I was starting so I mean, I was starting to try and like get my shit together. I mean, it I was working that day, came home. And the next day I woke up and I'm in, you know, the ICU. So it was more of a freak out of like, what the fuck is going on? You know, I mean, I knew something was going on. I mean, my, my body was deteriorating. My mind was deteriorating. Mm -hmm. I had asked for help from my supervisors for like the past, easily the past year. I had been asked to give in a lesser caseload. You know, I was working crimes against children and 
basically told, you know, go fuck yourself. No, yeah. you know, I, you know, I, I've used this, uh, saying for a while, I was their best racehorse and they were going to run me till my legs fell oh, off. I was the only one in the department that could testify in court against child abuse. So of course they were going to use me. I got called out all the time. They like to say that I wasn't mm -hmm. even if you go back and I was featured in uh, inside Nova last July, the chief still denies that I was the head of crimes against children. He says, Oh, she worked other cases. I didn't work in any other cases. What? So they still to this day, even though I won my lawsuit against them will not admit the, the fault, which is the problem in itself. Right. You know, I'm the only officer to sue them for PTSD. I won. They mm -hmm. had to admit fault. Mm -hmm. And they still will not admit that what they did was wrong. Hmm. So, yeah, I woke up June 2nd and realized, like, okay, something's not right. But I was like, I'm still a cop. I'm still going to be a cop. Yeah. And it took a long time to figure out, like, okay, I'm not going to be a cop. And if I'm not a cop, then what am I? And, I mean, I don't know when the revelation came that it's okay to not be a cop. Yeah. You know, my therapist told me, he was like, Police officers are the only profession when you ask them like, hey, you know, like you introduce yourself. Like, oh, I'm Michelle. I'm a cop. Mm -hmm. You know, people who are like teachers aren't like, oh, I'm I'm Nicole. I'm a teacher. It's not like you're it's in you. It's not yeah. like you're not like a teacher 24 seven. But when you're a cop, you're a cop 24 seven. It doesn't stop. And it hasn't stopped in me. Yeah. I mean, I can still see stuff, but it's just like, uh, whatever. Like, I don't have to deal with it. Like. That's my, that's my struggle right now. Like, and it'll be your struggle for a while, Yeah, but it gets easier. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets a lot easier. I hope so. It does. <laughs> it, and it, it does. But you know, like it's, it's sometimes it's like a relief. Like, like today it was pouring down rain and I saw an officer pull somebody over and I'm like, shit, I don't, I don't like miss that at all. No, no. I, I don't, don't miss the phone ringing in the middle of the night. I don't mm -hmm. miss missing out on my kids, you know, football games and wrestling meets and yeah. being called out on Christmas. And I miss believe it or not, I miss the mundane stuff. I miss like racking up my cruiser. I miss like slow times when you just kind of pull over. I miss cruiser to cruiser talk. Yep, I miss that. I, I miss, miss some of the camaraderie, but I realized that that camaraderie was just camaraderie when you're an officer. Like after I got sick, mm -hmm. you know how many people I still talk to in my department? Probably as many as I talk to. None. Mm, I, I talk to one, one every once in a while. And then... You know, once you're out, it's just not the same. Yeah, I, I have a sergeant that reaches out to me regularly uh, who worked for me as an officer when I was uh, a supervisor. I have two very, very close friends inside of the police department that's that, that I still talk to. They're my friends. But other than that, other than commanders stalking my social media or creating fake social mm -hmm. media accounts, which I can't talk about because that's... yeah. No, I hear currently you. Currently, a criminal, uh, currently an investigation I can't talk about. Um, other than that kind of stuff, if they put that much time into actually checking up <laughs> on me, right? You know, like even my chief of police totally wouldn't even like, wouldn't even give me the time of day on my last day. Like, you know. So, you know, you talk about putting time into checking up on you. Um, it was a couple months into after I got sick and I was officially diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, my sergeant and my captain came out to my house and they said, uh, to you take know, your gun, to take my gun. Yep, but I this knew is, it. this is the best part of the story. I fucking knew it. We had an officer injured about a year prior who was out on, um, 
leave, you know, injured terribly. Mm -hmm. And I take nothing away from that. Never had their gun taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So they came out and they said, you know, you're going to be out on on leave for a while. We're just, you know, here to collect your your duty weapon. And I was like, really? Like, why? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, you've never done this for anybody else who's been out on leave. And I brought up this other officer. And they said, oh, well, you know, we just instilled this new policy. Ten minutes ago. And I said, well, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. I said, I know you didn't instill a new policy. I was like, if you're afraid that I'm going to kill myself with the duty weapon, why don't you just ask me if I'm afraid to kill myself? You know, we've all worked, you know, hostage negotiations or CNT or worked with people who are suicidal. Asking me if I'm going to kill myself is not going to make me want to kill myself. I said, just so you know, I don't want to kill myself. That's fucking unbelievable. But they wouldn't ask me. So I said, okay, fine. I'll go get my weapon. They're like, well, we'll go get it. Where is it? I was like, it's in my safe. And I'm not giving you the combination to my safe. I'm not going to kill myself and I'm not homicidal. Yeah. So they walked with me to get my duty weapon. They get my duty weapon. They take it. They're like, all right, we're going to be gone. You know, we're going to go. You need to sign this paper. I signed it. And I said, I just want to let you know, I love that you really care about my mental health so much that you didn't ask if I had any other weapons in my house. You just care if I kill myself with your fucking weapon. Yeah. We're going to take a quick, uh, we're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to come back and I want to hear more about that. And then I want to tell you what happened with me at the end of my career. Mike, stand by. Um, you're contributing so much right now. Dick. The day you came. Naked Your mother screams and forces you the day you came. Do you want to help the Roll Call Room podcast keep going? Of course you do. Join Patreon and pledge to the show each month. Tiers start at $5 and you can get some pretty cool shit with it, including swag and access to listen to episode clips early. So put that Starbucks coffee down and help my dad keep the show going. Don't be a fucking Steve. Go to rollcallroom.com to pledge today. everybody thank you for coming back from break uh we are still here with um michelle and my uh esteemed co-host mike 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 what day is it mike <laughs> mike you hanging in there how's everything um i'm good just listening and enjoying the show cool um i'm sure we'll hear your ferrets next um those always guinea pigs guinea pigs um so we were talking about like your um your chief or your command coming to your house and taking your weapon. Uh, so the folks, the fans, I've heard this kind of backstory with me. I was up in Boston when they called and told me that they were going to suspend my uh, police powers. And so this happened on Friday. On Saturday, I get a phone call from the chief of police. And it's a genuine phone call about my well-being. Like, want to make sure that you're 
okay, mentally there, blah, blah, blah. Are you around people? And then it t- takes a sharp right turn to, um, did you happen to take your service weapon with you up there? And I was like, no, it's in my locker. And he was like, well, internal investigations is going to need to like get, get your stuff. Like claiming it was because they were taking my police mm-hmm. powers away. But meanwhile, I was a union vice president. I, it, it was routine that when they would put people on administrative leave, they got to keep their credentials and their mm-hmm. gun. They just had you sign a piece of paper saying that you no longer had police power. So I laugh, not laugh, but oh, yeah. it's so interesting how immediately that's the first thing, which is, is that the last thing that we want is a scandal of, well, officer so-and-so killed themselves with their service weapon. Yep. Because in the press, it would be, well, why the fuck did they have their service weapon? Why didn't you go fucking take it? Not officer so-and-so killed themselves, or I'd like to say more, not like it, but died by suicide. Mm-hmm. But God forbid you do it with their weapon. Oh, like like it makes a huge fucking difference. Yeah, yeah. And any cop out there, I, don't know, I mean, a vast majority of them, like I would say 99 plus, 99% plus, they don't own, just own their service weapon. No. Like- I was never into guns before we graduated the academy. Nope. And then I, I bought guns. Yep. Yeah. Then I was like, well, I hate my service weapon and it sucks carrying it off duty. So I'll buy this one. And then you buy another one and then you buy another. And before you know it, you're a fucking gun freak. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't carrying that gun around with me everywhere. It was huge. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, you guys had a big, you guys yeah. had a SIG, right? Yeah. 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 That thing is like, I remember going and to the range heavy. with you. Yeah. It's so a, like, I can't use cannon. that as my off duty weapon. I mean, like yeah. everyone would be like, okay, what do you have under your shirt? So yeah. And I was, even thought the Glock, cause we used Glock 23, uh, just as I was getting ready to leave the department, they were going to nines and even the nines that they were going to were fucking gigantic. Mm-hmm. Like who the fuck wants to carry that shit off duty? Um, but you know what, when you're a rookie and you're making no fucking money, I mean, I was there for 10 years and I still was making no fucking money. So true, true. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, they come, they take your they take your weapon. Yeah. How long after that do they do do they go down the medical route like fit for duty? Mm, no, I mean, it was it was pretty clear. So I had had one hundred and fifty six seizures Whoa. from June 1st to like June 4th. Mm. Um, and because of those, I was partially paralyzed on my right side. So I couldn't even like use my right leg or my right arm. I had to have in-home healthcare and I had to get PT every day coming into my house. Mm-hmm. So like I couldn't, there was no chance I could even go to work cause I could barely walk. Right. Um, but it was made pretty clear from the, the seizure diagnosis that I wasn't going to be allowed to be a police officer just because of going down that road at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the PTSD diagnosis, that's kind of when shit really hit the fan with my department. Um, when they were like, what? PT- PTSD doesn't even exist. Like, we don't even know what those letters mean. Yeah. Um, and that's when, um, so I was injured in June and then I was given a letter the end of July that said, you have three days to come back to work or you no longer have a job. What? And we will be paying your health care. Yeah. So that's when I had to obtain a lawyer and I had to start fighting for my rights for my um, FMLA and my. Wow. Yeah, They're basically like you're refusing to come to work because PTSD is not real. And then the state doesn't recognize it at that time. Yeah, it's not recognized as an automatic thing. Yeah. Um, we're working with the Senate right now. Um, there's a bunch of people that have been trying for years. It's still not recognized, which I can. 
I don't necessarily understand, but um, yeah, so we're we're trying to make that change. Um, but because they wouldn't even acknowledge the fact. I mean, at that point, I still was in physical therapy. I still couldn't even walk fully. Right. And I was like dragging my leg like a like a pirate. But they're like, like Mike. yeah, like Mike. So, yeah. so basically, basically, they were telling you that you were faking it. Yeah, they're like, you have three days to return to work, or you have no health insurance, and you basically don't have a job. Was anybody calling you? Was anybody like? So I got a I got a fruit basket from the uh, association. Mm. Uh, That's nice. And maybe even flowers. It was either flowers or a fruit basket. I don't remember. Um, and I had already run out of leave. Um, so you were I, on LWAP? Leave without pay? Leave without pay. Oh. I asked the department if I could ask for donated leave. No. Um, they did allow me to ask for donated leave, but I had... And you talked about Mike making noise. Yeah, I'll take a Twizzler. Hey, um, um, was and, that uh, was that hard and crunchy? Shut up. And uh, I did get one week of donated leave from everyone in my I'm entire eating. department. So I got no, I'm sorry, I got two weeks altogether. I got 80 hours of donated leave. Um, and then after that, I was on leave without pay, and I hired an attorney, and I started my case to fight them. How long was that journey with the with the lawsuit? So I got injured. June 1st, 2015. And I was officially given a retirement date of the end of May, 2016. Um, and that was when I was officially finished with my lawsuit, but I went without pay for all of that time. Oh my God. That was, was that a, like a three quarters, um, retirement? So or? Now I, yeah, I officially got my 66 and two thirds, wow. but that cost me over $50,000 in attorney's got, fees. Jesus. Um, but when, you know, the, the great thing about my fight with them is when I launched my first, you know, the, the paperwork that went to them to let them know, like what I was fighting for, the response was that my PTSD was of a regular everyday occurrence and I could have gotten it from watching too much Law and Order SVU. Come on, come on. <laughs> you know, but that's that's workers comp in general, like workers comp in general. Oh, no, want... no, that was a letter from my police department. Oh, my God. I That's had worked I had worked over 500 cases of child abuse. <sighs> in 2002 I worked two homicides of infants Ugh. within less than 90 days. What the fuck? But I probably got my, you know, I probably got law and order um PTSD, yeah. you know, just all those SVU cases with I get it from SpongeBob. Yeah, it was just terrible. Yeah. So, you know Don't don't lie, you get it from porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know Excessive porn, hard and crunchy, dude. Excessive porn crunchy. is an is an indicator of extreme PTSD. If you watch an enormous amount of porn, then I guess I don't have PTSD. Well, I'm not into that stuff. Well, I'm not. It's one of them. Let me see your hands. Not the only one. The only one. Damn it. Look, super soft. Let me see your hands. Super soft. Look at yep. it. Look at it. Exactly. Exactly. Super soft. Doesn't yeah, look? but your dick is chafed. Oh, <laughs> right there it is. There it is. That is why we have an E next to all of our episodes. Oh, I didn't realize that like was that. explicit. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> educational? I did. I thought you it was thought coming it was on an educational <laughs> podcast. God. <laughs> Education. Well, the good thing is, is that um, you'll probably be asked after you're on this show, probably within a week or two, you'll probably be asked to be on another show, uh, which is another podcast. Um, so... Is yep. it a good one or is it going to be educational? Because I really no, feel like I got like. It's pretty much a duplicate of this show. Okay. So the former host here just has the same guests on. 
oh, okay. his show. So you'll get a phone call probably within a week or two to come on. I'll probably like him more than you too. So you that's probably awesome. will. You probably will. He talks a lot more than this, Mike. That's for sure. Yeah, he's not as good looking though. So yeah. Mm. <laughs> so hey, how hey, you doing? How you doing? But uh, listen, Cammy <laughs> gave me a line which I'm gonna use. I gotta, I gotta throw it out there. Yeah, but it's not, nothing worse than sloppy seconds from Tex Max. All right, all right. I know where that goes. Michelle is she's like perplexed right now, but yeah. I'll tell her the backstory. Off, I, I don't know offline. if I really want yeah. the backstory. Offline. Only because only because And then Sparky the spark plug. Yeah, only because it's like it's like competing with PBS. It's like NBC competing with PBS. <laughs> I was talking to somebody on the phone about it today, and Michelle looks so puzzled. I have to tell her the backstory when we take a break. Uh, but Mike and I, we're talking right now, which is that's exactly what it is. Um, it's like NBC Studios fighting with PBS. Like, and then well, do you think it? Do you think it's like the regular channels, like back in the old days? And then you kind of like get like that channel with the fuzz. When yes. you should get Howard Stern when you were like twelve and you'd see two girls kissing you, like, yes. oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Maybe I'm gay. That's no, no one else thought that. Okay, <laughs> no. that was just me. Okay, what? sorry, my bad. We can, we can, we can delete that. I've never watched two girls kiss and think that I was gay. So, <laughs> well, you're not a girl. Hello. Uh, well, not yet. <laughs> not yet. My GoFundMe has not been funded yet. <laughs> I will get this bad boy cut off. Don't you worry. <laughs> See, and the E before. The name of the episode. Educational. Educational. I picked out the um, Little Shop of Horrors um, plant where they cut it off and then they fold it. So it looks like <laughs> Seymour. No. Feed me. No, Feed Seymour. Me, Seymour. Seymour is the dude, right? Seymour is the guy. What's the plant? Audrey. 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 I don't know. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Little, Little Shop of Horror? I've never seen it. No oh idea. my God. What is wrong with you? She, she's know. too busy. She's too busy watching Lord Order. Yeah. Getting PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd watch less, P- less Law and Order, you wouldn't have so much PTSD. I know. I know. Did you no, not she... laugh when you got that fucking letter, though? I did. I was like, is this, this is for real? Okay. For real. Okay. Yo, when I, I would have yeah. been like, this shit's a joke. What, uh, and, <laughs> and you know, the fun, the, Again, I'm going to draw from personal reference. When I was sitting in the box in internal investigations and they gave me my my write-up of what I was being investigated for, I literally laughed. Yeah, because you can't believe like that shit is like, it you're, was are you so for real fucking right comical. now? And, and the, the captain who did the interview, I totally respected him before the thing, had a lot of respect for him, was completely nervous, turned completely red because I had brought a binder with me and I had rebuttal for everything. Mm-hmm. And I was, I laughed. I was like, this is, this is a joke. This is clear cut retaliation. Like because of the podcast and because I did well on the lieutenant's process. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with that. Oh, okay. Okay. It just oh, happens okay. to be the next day. Got yeah. it. Okay. And it's five days before <laughs> the end of my probation. Really? Yeah. Are we really doing this, bro? Yeah. Well, I don't think that you're being, at the end was, I don't think you're being truthful. I was like, great. Send me for a polygraph. Yeah. Nah, we're we're not going to send you file. Yeah, because it's going to take longer than five days past my my fucking. You're going to wish that you sent me for a polygraph. Uh, let me stop, Mike. You're supposed to stop me on these, man. But was that before or after he put a little lube on and gave it to you? Uh, you know what? It didn't feel like it didn't feel like that after I left. I I 
because I left there and they were like, I was like, so am I suspended? And the captain was like, no, you can go out to work right now. Go out on the street or um, you can take um, captain's time on me. Like you can take the day off. I was like, day off. Yeah. Because I'm not good. <laughs> Who in their right mind would go back on the street <laughs> after being interrogated for two hours? Yeah. Let me just yeah, go back yeah. to work and see what else I can fuck up. Well, that you can. Yeah. Make up. Well, after you're accused of being like the accusations for an hour and a half, you're mm-hmm. like, this is what my 15 year career comes down to is, is you honestly truly believe that I would do these things that you're saying, but they were letting, they were going to let me go out, on, like go out on patrol. Yeah, of course they were. And did you, did you have any union representation? Anyway, so, um, well, we don't even have a union where I am. We're not even allowed well, to like have, we don't have an collective bar- bargaining anyway. Um, so well, like our, our chief was like, oh, we don't need to be part of an FOP, like another joint department, like our sister department, you know, mm-hmm. the bigger one where we're located mm-hmm. has an FOP, mm-hmm. but he would never allow our chief would never allow the, that FOP to come in to like talk to us there's because they why. didn't want us to be a part of it. Yep. There's a reason why right there. But, you know, he's taking care of mental health now because there's a therapy dog that comes in every once in a while. And he, he allows yoga. Oh my so, God. I mean, no one's going to get PTSD now. You know, what's funny is somebody just reached out to me. She just say yoga? yoga, 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 yoga. Um, somebody, somebody yeah, just told dog. me to go and apply at your former agency last week. And yeah, I was like, absolutely not. I was like, absolutely not. Nope. Nope. Absolutely not. I uh, would come to your house and I would punch you in the face. I, I'll be honest. I think I'm out, out. Like I think don't I'm, go back. No, nah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm I'm more focused on this. I'm more focused on my book. I'm more, more focused. focused on happiness and fulfillment in life. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and plus I get to call Mike whenever I want and look at his beautiful face and hear his dog in the background. Yeah, you know, it is we'll a very it, loud dog. We'll get it down one day. You know, one day we'll do an episode where what? it's not Joe Exotic no in the background. No flaws. <laughs> Yeah. So Wi-Fi is good. So at what point, so now you're out, out, right? Out, out. So what things are you starting to think about for a career outside of law enforcement? What were the top three things that you were starting to think about? So, you know, like I obviously like helping people. Mm -hmm. So like my first thought was I'll go back to school and I'll become a nurse. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't see that with you, but go ahead. Thanks. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. And, and then I was like, well, no, because then they have to like work nights and weekends. And I had already decided like I really wanted to. Well, no, actually. So skip the nursing thing. I was like, oh, you stay at home mom. And then nah, you I can't see that, see that either. either. I was like, no, like I need not you. No offense to all the stay at home moms because like that's great. But like I need identity other than my kids. I love mm. my kids, but not that. Yeah. That much. That's crazy. So I thought nurse, like I'll just, you know, but then I was like, I don't want to work nights and weekends and like someone telling me what to do all the time and with the schedule. Mm -hmm. And then I really had no idea. I literally was lost. I was, I had zero idea. Did you put applications in a lot of places? No, I didn't do anything. I mean, it literally, it literally took me a year and a half to even get to a point where I could get out of bed. I mean, it was, it was, it was rough for a really long time. I mean, my mental health took a huge toll. I mean, I was really, really mentally sick for a long time. I lost a lot of friends who were like, just get out of bed. Like just, you know, get dressed. Um, you know, I had one friend who just completely, broke me down in every way who clearly she wasn't a friend, but Mm -hmm. 
She's like, nothing's wrong with you. It's not like you got physically hurt. And I was like, oh, okay. So about a year and a half after everything happened, give or take, I was talking with my aunt and she's like, why don't you take your real estate classes? You know, Mm -hmm. just get out of the house. Like, even if you don't become a realtor, just like get, you know, out. It'll give you a couple hours in the evening once your husband gets home. And she's like, I think you'd be really great at it. Yeah. And she's like, you get to help people, you know, buy houses. And I was like, oh, she's like, you get to look at houses. It'll be so much fun. She's like, just take the classes to get your mind working again. Yeah. And so I did. And I thought, okay, this will be great. I can kind of concentrate on getting better and, you know, my brain and my mental health. And I was really focused on that. And I was like, I'll just sell like a couple houses a year, one or two, maybe three for some extra money. Right. And um, I... Sold my first house and I you were hooked. I was hooked. And it wasn't, I thought, you know, for sure when I was taking the classes, like it's all about the money. Like you don't really like helping people. It's like, you know, you can make pretty good money in this industry. And um, no, it was like I got to help one of my really dear friends get an hour closer to her family mm-hmm. and get help with her kids. And I was like, this is it. Like I'm all in. Yeah. And it was great. Mike? Now, was there any like thought process of actually getting back into into law enforcement or getting back into anything security or law enforcement type of job? Any 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 thought of that while you were going through the whole the process? So I already knew that I wasn't going to be cleared to be in any type of law enforcement because of one my my PTSD diagnosis. I knew no no law enforcement agency was going to touch me. Um, right. You know, I was I and I knew like. I didn't want to get back into it. I didn't want to see another dead baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had already seen enough dead kids. I didn't want to see another one. Yeah. I knew that I wasn't safe to be in law enforcement. If I arrived on a scene and there was something like that, I knew that I wasn't mentally prepared to hold myself together. I still don't watch the news. You know, like the first 17 minutes of the news are always the bad part. So yeah. like if I need to know something about the weather or something, I just go and look it up. Like I can't, Yeah. I can't hold myself to that that high of a level, I would not be able to, I still have PTSD. I'm still coping with PTSD. I still have triggers and I still have things that I have to get around. So going back into law enforcement or security, I knew that wasn't in in the cards for me. Um, so I knew my call in law enforcement from the very beginning was to be in crimes against children. I was uh, abused as a child and I knew that I wanted to give back in a way to be able to help kids. I didn't know it was going to damage me in so many ways, but I wouldn't change those years of being in that, you know, that section yeah. for anything in the world. I, you know, but yeah. I knew getting back into that, that just wasn't going to be an option. Yeah. I remember when we were in the Academy, I remember sitting next to you and that was always an aspiration of yours was to become a, a detective. Yeah. Mine. And I mean, I made it pretty fast. I, I was an officer from, Oh, just what we graduated in six. Oh, six. I got detective in 09. Damn. I was general detective. And then in 2011, I take, I took over the entire unit. Damn. So I ran crimes against children from, I had my son May of 11. I came back in July and took it over. So July of 2011 until June 1st, 2015, I ran crimes against children. Hmm. And I, you know, I had a, a guy who worked some crimes against children as well. Um, but I basically was the person who did all crimes against children for our department. 
Well, you know, um, so you get into retail, uh, not retail, uh, real estate. Real estate. How hard was uh, the the taking the classes and everything? I would say the hardest part was just like learning so much dry knowledge. Like you learn, yes. it's very dry. There's nothing really exciting about learning about contracts and stuff like that. From I experience? Mean, yes. Yeah. So um, got into that and quickly found like this is my new passion. And, and you're very good at it. Thank you. Yeah. So backstory, when we put our home up for sale, we had called Michelle and um, Michelle did a, a freaking awesome job on it. Um, and we'll plug you at the end of the show for Thank people you. in the Northern Virginia uh, area that are looking for. Or uh, Central. Or Central. <laughs> uh, Maryland? You do no, Maryland? Central Virginia. Okay. Like, But you don't do Maryland, right? No, I'm getting Schmeriland. licensed in D.C. now and Maryland will be next. Schmeriland. I'm from Maryland. Don't uh, make fun of Maryland. Maryland. Um, but um, so when I left pol police work, you reached out to me and you were like, get into real estate. Yeah. And I was still in that period of like not knowing what the fuck I was going to do. Like it was, it was soon, it was soon. I signed up for the classes, which I still need to finish the classes, but I still needed to deal with everything that happened and stop being angry about yeah. what happened. Like I'm still not even a hundred percent there when my book is like published, which will be the beginning of August, then I'll have some sort of closure. Then I'll then I'll feel like my story is out there and it's in the open, and and this is what happened. And I've gotten to a point now; it's taken two months. I don't care what the people in my agency think. Yep. I really don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. Um, I don't care how what they feel about me. I don't care about how they feel about the situation. I don't care how they feel about the separation between my former co-host and I. I don't give a fuck because they don't pay my mortgage. They don't fucking help me out. Yep. I don't get a fucking call. I don't get a text. I care about the people that care about me. Yep. And in the book that when it gets released, it's going to piss off a tremendous amount of people in my former agency because it is 100% about my agency. 100% because it's all I know. Yeah. And the title is uh, Police Mental Barricade or Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. I am a firm believer in that the majority of the reason why we have so many law enforcement suicides is not so much what we see on the streets. A good portion of it is the poor leadership. Oh, 100 percent. It's, mean... it's so rampant. And civilians that listen to this show have learned that from October to now where they're like, because I get messages where they're like, I didn't know it was that bad. And you're like, if you work for a bad boss, your fucking life sucks. I worked for a, a boss that literally drove me from loving the job and skipping into work every single day to being on medication and popping pills on I-95 to just get myself convinced to come to work. Oh, 100%. I mean, so I hated it. My my first um infant murder was August 22nd, 2012. And it's the one that still, I mean, it's a gut punch just thinking about him. And that day was the same day. And I believe actually it was in Alexandria. Um, Alexandria or Arlington officer had died by suicide in our, in our jurisdiction. And it was the only reason that they called in uh, 
Oh, what are the names of those? The therapists that come in after a trauma. It's the only CISM. time CISM. It's yeah. the only time in my entire law enforcement career that someone had gotten called in. Mm-hmm. The only two officers that showed up to that were the were myself and the other officer who responded to the infant murder. Mm-hmm. No one else showed up. This guy was such a crock of shit. He told me to go home, get in a bathtub, which is where we found this dead baby, uh. drink some wine, and eat some turkey because turkey makes you feel better. That was literally his advice. And I told him, I was like, I don't want to get in a bathtub. I just found a dead baby in a bathtub. So I went to my lieutenant and I said, listen, I need, I'm going to, I need some help. Like, mm-hmm. this is what this guy just told me. I, I have to go home to my kids who are right the same ages, like right, like bookends of the same age of this little boy that I just had to hold dead mm-hmm. and tell his mom, I need help. Like this guy didn't do anything for me. Do you think that they got me anything? He said, well, you can go sign up for EAP. I was like, it's just a joke. I, I was like, I need to talk to someone now. It's a joke. EAP Nothing a joke. happened. Nothing. Nothing. Then less than 90 days later. So we went from August 22nd to October 21st. October 21st, I got called up to my second infant murder. They didn't even bother calling CISM out on it. I went to them again and said, I need, like, I, I have two young kids at home. Like, I need to be able to, like, I need to talk to somebody. They didn't even, like, do anything. They just slid, like, a little e- EAP pamphlet. And it's like, these it's people can help you. It's a checkoff, Michelle. And That's I'm all like, it is. Okay, awesome. Then less than 30 days later than that, I had my third infant die. Mm-hmm. Now, that one was of natural causes. He had a heart disease. But the mother was so distraught, she just handed me a dead baby. <sighs> I, I, that's one of the problems that I have with CISM and peer support teams is because they're law enforcement officers doing those roles and they're not qualified. But to we do didn't those even roles. have any of it. The CISM yeah. guy was some random therapist they called in that literally just told two officers that got a dead baby out of a bathtub to go get in a bathtub and drink some wine because that's going to make me feel better. They must have come from my agency. I mean, it was, it, it was saying. ridiculous. I'm just saying. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we are going to wrap up this episode. It's for you. Thank you, uh, folks. If uh, you're prone to PTSD, I need you to mute this, please. Hey folks, Nick from the Roll Call Room podcast. If you're thinking about buying a house, selling a house, or anything in between, I'd like to introduce you to a great friend of mine, Michelle Merritt. Michelle is a licensed realtor and a former law enforcement officer who just happens to be my old academy partner. After medically recovering from her on-duty injury, she now looks out for her first responder family by walking them step-by-step through the real estate process all the way through to settlement and beyond. Working with Pearson Smith Realty in Ashburn, Michelle serves clients all over Virginia. First responder incentives are listed on her website at soldwithmerit, that's M-E-R-R-I-T-T.com. Tell Michelle that Nick from the Roll Call Room sent you and you'll receive a credit of up to $500 on your home inspection. Trust me, folks, Michelle is the way to go.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming back from break. Hope uh, you're enjoying the show. Um, you know, we've had a we've had a good show. We've had some good content on there, and um, I think it's time to close out the show with the question game. Uh, we haven't done the question game in a while. Uh, those of you that are new fans to the show, let me explain to you what the question game is. I will text message Mike a question that he must ask Michelle. He cannot alter the question. He must read it verbatim. He will do the same. We will do three questions. Uh, and Michelle cannot refuse to answer the question. Oh, so whatever the question is, um, you must answer it. Okay. So, Mike, I am going to text you over this question. Just for the record, I fucking love this game. Do, do you? <sighs> yeah, these fucking questions. I, I never th- know questions. I never know the questions. At least well, you're not answering ask. the question. I mean, it could I ne- be worse. I never know what questions to ask. Yeah, you always go light. Yeah, because I'm a nice guy. All right, let's see what you got. No pictures this time. All right. I just uh, text over the question. Mike. Uh, Bro, why, why, why do we have to go? I mean. Uh, oh, we're going hard. Uh, okay, this is great. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right. If you find a dildo at a homicide <laughs> covered in icing, what do you do? Lick the icing off. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and then you find out it's not icing. This is a fresh one. <laughs> mm. Mm, a little salty. <sighs> I wasn't in crime scene investigation. I don't know. What's the proper protocol here? Well, you collect it. You don't lick it. Oh, I thought I had to like collect a sample. My I, bad. My bad. Sorry, crime scene investigators. Oh, God. It never fails at a homicide scene. Um, all right. Here comes Mike's uh, fireball question. Uh, <laughs> what item have you bought that the clerk looked at you like, what the fuck? Oh, am I supposed to answer that or is Mike? No, you're supposed to. These, these are all to you. Oh, you said the Mike's, Mike's fireball question. Yeah, he's. this is his question, but I have to a- ask it to you. What item have I bought that the clerk looked at me mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? I don't... Mm. Um... Uh... Uh... A Barbie doll? Oh, I did buy a pregnancy test one time at the dollar store. Are those reliable? They are. They're the real thing. What? I do. I suggest to all of you people out there, don't buy like the $15, you know, EPTs. Just get get the ones at the dollar store. Totally reliable. Was it during one of the- A pregnancy test at the dollar store, Mike. A pregnancy test at the dollar store. (laughs) Um, I didn't have any money. It was reliable. It was real. I see you, them at checkout. Do you use your pee or do you use someone else's pee? I use the, the pee that I got at the crime scene where the big dildo was. <laughs> Mike, you are up. All right. You have a $50 gift card at Adam and Eve. 
What oh. do you buy? Oh, fifty dollars isn't going to get me much. Oh boy, um, that concerns me. I mean, have you ever shopped there? No, I haven't. Yes, you've never yes. shopped there. No. Oh. Yes. Yes. Feel bad for your wife. Nope. Um, mm-hmm. I'll probably just get some. Oh, is this an educational show? Or are we going E rated? No, you go. You go hardcore. Oh, okay. This is explicit. Explicit. So if I have a fifty dollars gift card, I mean, I'm not going to get any good toys for fifty dollars. So I'll probably just get some lube and some toy cleaner. Lube and toy cleaner. Do they sell? You have to clean the toys. You don't. Oh God, your poor wife. Uh, yes, you have to clean the toys. Uh, uh, what are you gonna do with them? Like, what do you put them in the dishwasher? No, you have toy. Oh my God. Oh, you put a little. Use a little hot water. A little, a little hot, hot water. water. Yeah, but if you have like the regular Lysol toys, pants? water will break them down after a while. That's why you use toy cleaner. Hello. We're learning so much about. No, we use the glass ones. Yeah, the glass ones are great, but they don't. Oh boy. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Right. I know. You got the ones that twirl. twirl yeah, twirl. yeah. Actually, Adam and Eve just sent out an email like yesterday about of one a new did. one that came out. Of it's, course they did. The I got, actually, I got, it's funny because the subject line says six inches of something in your box, and it was really funny. Oh the, my god! Yeah, I, I got that one. <laughs> I got that email. I got that one. <laughs> I, I got that email. <laughs> uh, I got that one. Okay, yeah, that was a good one. All right. Um, let's see. I have to read Mike's question. What happens when you are showing a house? Oh, oh no, guys, no one's going to take me serious as a realtor now. And I'm not going to get anything from this. Uh, What happens when you're showing a house? What happens when you are showing a house and there is a sex swing hanging in the basement? Well, I don't touch other people's property, so I would just be like, these sellers are really awesome. Maybe they should be my friends. Well, I can tell you from experience that Michelle will never, ever show your house if it's on the market without doing a very, very thorough walkthrough. (laughs) And And I would notice the T-hook coming out of your ceiling. I could tell you from experience, she would be like, that needs to come down. But if it's a house you're going to visit, visit, like... When we were going to look at houses, you can't control what's in True. I would not touch it, but I would definitely text the agent and say, hey, you might want to tell your sellers to take their sex swing down. I mean, glad that they're having fun, but not everyone needs to know. Yeah. And tell them to put the fake, you know, like fire, the smoke detector cover over it. Because they sell those at Adam and Eve. Thank you. Oh, my God. Little plug for them. We should have a sponsorship from them. We should. Yeah. Mike? Uh, Next one. Mm-hmm. Kill one, marry one, fuck one. Oh gosh, okay. Epstein, Joe Exotic, and Maya de Blasio. I don't know who the last person is. The mayor of That's... New York City? He looks like a big penis. Well, obviously I'm going to kill Epstein because he's a fucking pedophile pervert. Yeah. Did you see that Netflix special? Yes. Oh my, oh God. my God. Mike still has not seen it. So, is the mayor uh... of New York, is he a bad guy? Yes. He's bad. He's a bad dude. I need it. You have to give me a third one because I don't know him well enough to know if I want to kill him, if I want to fuck him or marry him. Uh, Mike Tyson. Oh, that lisp. I don't know if I can marry that. Oh, well, stop you got it. two stop. choices. You got Joe Exotic, who's probably going to give me some sort of disease. Uh, well, he's certainly not going to do conventional okay. sex. I could tell but you. But if I marry him, I don't have to fuck him. All right. Um, so I'm going to fuck Mike Tyson because I feel like, I mean, he's, a, he was a good boxer, so he probably has some good moves in bed. He's back and in shape And he doesn't too. have to talk. He's back in shape too. So I'm going to fuck Mike Tyson 
and I'm going to marry Joe Exotic because I don't have to fuck him. And I feel like every day might be an adventure and I'd get to hold little lions. Well, he's in jail now. So, well, yeah, I could just be his pen pal wife. Yeah, he's he's done. That was good. Yeah, that was a good one. Mike. This is your uh, last one. This is the last uh, question. Oh, um, see, he has writer's block. I could see it like he's getting all flustered. Like he, I could see sweat coming down while no, he's no, no, while no. he's figuring shit out. That fucking, no, I'm just I'm just writing it. I'm just writing. Yeah, it. I'm just texting. That Epstein Netflix special oh my God. was really like good. hundreds and hundreds. Why isn't she in jail? Like his because she got immunity with his deal. They should repeal that immunity. Well, they won't because that's our, that state prosecutor and everyone gave and anyone even unnamed people got immunity. She was the devil. Oh my god, she was. Truly I want to know devil. everyone who was involved. I mean, hundreds of girls. Did you see that special on Netflix about? the the evidence um the uh, drug technicians yes in i just watched oh, that my one god that was insane it was insane they got nothing they got nothing, nothing. oh in my god all those cases over forty thousand cases if you haven't seen it um i gotta find out what the name of it is it's called how to get away with a drug conspiracy that's yeah some, or something yeah like something that. like that Get it before they get it off Netflix. And it was based in uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, two different two, places. Two different places. And one technician was using the drugs. And one technician was just certifying that they were but drugs. The, I mean, they, it's all the way from the top down. Like, they didn't even have cameras. They didn't have... They it weren't following bad. any compliances. It was insane. That one that was taking the drugs was taking the... Um, the the, the, the pure samples. The pure... The purest, yeah. like, meth. Yeah. Like, not even, like, the <laughs> meth like that, that fucking... Uh, Mr. White makes on yeah. fucking Breaking no, Bad. Just like the liquid, just just liquid little, 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 little tingle. Up. <laughs> little tingle. Little tingle. Little like, tingle. I'm going to work so fast today. <laughs> uh, Mike's final question, which we have no hope of this being any good. Okay. Uh, what happens when you're showing a house and the owner's son is butt ass naked jerking off in his room and they walk you in? What do you do? Oh. Well, that's never happened, thankfully. Though I do have a really good story that I would like to follow up with about a half-ass naked guy that was on meth. Um, uh, well, normally when you go show a house, no one's supposed to be there. So if I walked in and the owner's butt-ass naked son, right? Yeah. Is jerking off. They're supposed to be out of there anyway. I would excuse myself and, uh, again, probably call the listing agent and tell her to not have the butt-ass naked. Yeah, let's let's not do that again. Yeah. So, but, but what if what if it was Mike Tyson? Oh, we. Were I mean, I would already jump on that because obviously I picked <laughs> a fuck Mike Tyson. <laughs> Selfies. Um, Selfies. but really, really quick story because I know we're wrapping up. I um, one of my first houses I showed, I was showing another officer and his wife, and the guy answered. He looked like um, what's the guy's name from Animal House? The dead guy, the de dead one. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Joe Belushi. 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 Yeah. So he looked like Joe Belushi. He opens house and all you smell is meth. Like what burning meth. And I look at the guy, I look at the officer. He's one of my dear friends now. And luckily we're both caring and he's in his boxers. He's like methed out to all degree. And he's oh. like, Oh, are you here to see the house? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, come on in. I was about to jump in the shower, but if you want to just open the door while I'm in there, you know, just don't open the curtain. What? And we walk in and the whole house <laughs> Just, you know, the smell of meth, it just like hits you. So we uh, were like, tell her to like wait outside. She's like, no, I want to go in. And we're like, oh my gosh, grandpa's upstairs, like stoned out of his mind, just staring at a blank TV. Uh, and there's just <laughs> meth everywhere. So obviously we, I call the realtor. She's like, no, there's no way. And I was like, 
I'm a retired police officer. I'm with a police officer. And by the way, we just called the police. Yeah. So you're going to have to. So that's one of the disclosures that the house has ever like been made to like used to make meth. Yeah. But I'm like, you can't keep this house on the market. Like it literally I'm going to get like sick being in here. And meth is like one of the most. Oh, it, especially it if was, they're making it. They weren't. Luckily, they weren't making it. But it, I mean, there was just drugs, meth everywhere. Oh. So the police came and Jeez. what not an good. idiot. He, I mean, he was so high and he was like, it was just, he looked like Belushi and it was just so gross. And he's like, you can just peek your head <laughs> in while I'm showering. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm cool. <sighs> Needless to say, we didn't buy that house, but. I once had a call for service. Uh, a fellow officer was working a, um, a pedophile, uh, pedophile case where the guy was, um, in, uh, the hiking path and he was, would be in the woods and jerk off while females were jogging by and he f- figured out who it was. And we went to the guy's apartment and we knock on the door and he opens up the door and it smells like just shit, like, oh. like real shit. And he lets us in there and he had a tarp down in the middle of the living room. And we didn't know this. Well, we didn't know that he was into other things, but he was into poopy play. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And uh, we had interrupted poopy play. Oh. And mm. when we dumped it, when the officer, because I was a sergeant. When they dumped his phone, he was big into prostitutes and he would do poopy play with them. And the text messages between him and the prostitute, like the pimp, was fucking hysterical because he was like, I want a girl for tomorrow night. And he's like, wait, you're that dude from last week. When you fucked my girl up. Like you're gonna pay double for if you want the her to do that thing again. Oh my and god! He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll pay extra. And obviously, whatever he fucking <laughs> like did. How to do this you, girl, like, let's say you're in a regular relationship. Like, how do you even bring that shit up? Like, I think there, he was he had a girlfriend, but she was not into that. That's why he clearly was no normal people aren't yeah. into that. And he had pictures. No and offense shit to too. anyone listening. That is, I just don't think that's that's not quite normal. normal. That's not normal. I don't want to offend your listeners by telling well, them like they should play with their. Poop. One of my listeners is into poopy play. Maybe go get help. Go yeah. Go get help. Um, but and send Nick the pictures. And send me the pictures. Um, <laughs> I have all the time in the world, so you know, help 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 a brother out. All right. All right, uh, folks, it uh, has been a pleasure recording this. Michelle, where can folks find you? Awesome. So um, I am located in Northern Virginia. My website is Sold with Merit. That's S-O-L-D-W-I-T-H-M as in Mary, E-R-R-I-T-T dot com. And right now, for anyone listening to this podcast, if you are looking to buy a home, I will pay for your home inspection up to $500 if you mention this podcast. And if you're looking to sell a home, I will also give you a $500 credit. Yes. Awesome. Um, Mike, where can folks find you? On (laughs) rollcool.com. This is my no, life, Michelle. That was this so is the, hard, Mike. This is the heavy lifting. <laughs> Mike's like, where am I right now? I don't know. I what don't the know. fuck kind of question is that? He's uh, he's taking meth right now. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh, what play? the fuck kind of question is that? <laughs> he he is playing on his phone, and I guarantee you, he's looking up what poopy play is. Probably because they don't get a lot of that up north. Mm. Um, so, folks, you can reach me at nick at rollcallroom.com. You can reach Mike at mike at rollcallroom.com. 
you can go on our website, rollcallroom.com. You can pre-order my book on there. Uh, you can go on mentalhealthbarricade.com to pre-order my book. Um, oh, can I just add in my email really yes, quick too? Yes. You can reach me at Michelle at Sold with Merit. And uh, you can find my email on my website and my phone number. I don't think I'm going to give my phone number out over here because I don't know how many of you are fucking weirdos. So, uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Um, and then, uh, folks, we'll get your discount code to Adam and Eve uh, as soon as we get it. All right. Uh, but in all seriousness, folks, take good care of each other. Reach out if you need help. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Bye. 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 Hey, Mike. I wish I was smart. Yeah, buddy. Anytime you want to chime in and do some work on the show, um, it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, why don't you tell Michelle you have that big black dildo that you use? Dude, we're still recording. <laughs>Hey folks, I'm so excited about this brand new sponsor, Ferocious Beard Company. This company is fantastic. They have a lot of great assortments of beard wax, wash, and oils. They've got apparel, they've got soaps, they've got a whole bunch of different things. Go to ferociousbeard.com, use promo code ROLLCALLROOM, and you get 20% off. I absolutely love their products. I'm telling you, I've used a lot of different beard products. Mike and I have been searching for a beard company for a long time as a sponsor, and we finally found the best company out there, which is Ferocious Beard Company, and they're out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas, okay? Go on ferociousbeard.com, use promo code ROLLCALLROOM, and you get 20% off.